It was all a dream. I used to read Word Up magazine. Salt and pepper and heavy D up in the limousine. Hanging pictures on my wall. Every Saturday, rap attack, Mr. Magic Molly Mall. I let my tape rock till my tape pop. Smoking weed and bamboo, sipping on private stock. Way back when I had the red and black lumberjack. With the hat. Welcome, everybody, to today's episode of Locked In Baseball. And, you know, uh, today's a very special episode for me personally just because uh i get to feature my high school baseball coach on here one of one of my high school baseball coaches because i was a transfer whore uh in high school and i blame that on my dad but um this one was um probably uh, this coach was probably my favorite just because he made it so much fun for me as a player let me play my game let me have fun with my friends let me hit a couple dingers um but all the while, you know, he uh, was able to uh, teach us all how to become better players, but also, you know, turn into better young men. So uh, Coach Leon Baham, who's at Harupa Hills High School right now uh, in Fontana, California, um, to me, legendary, legendary uh, both on and off the field. Off the field legendary, by the way. And we can't get into that right now because this is, this is a family, uh, this is a family-friendly podcast um but we might have to put the explicit e at the end of this so people can can know there's going to be some colorful language at some point so uh skip that's what i call him skip that's what we i think we kind of called you skip in high school right yep that was that was our thing so uh skip skip a doodle uh coach leon baham however you want to refer to him um you know thanks for being thanks for being on the show with us today thanks for having me absolutely man so season's cut short yeah, it's not good. I really feel bad for the seniors. Yeah, they'll be all right. They're they're going to go on and play some more baseball, so it is okay. Yeah, and if you if you put them in a position to do that, they're going to be you know that's good. You know, there's a I don't you know this isn't to kind of sway people to view high school baseball one way or another, but it's just the way the game goes. That some you know some some coaches do a really good job at it, which I think you do a good job. And if you don't know how to do it, you tend to refer your players and your families to guys that are people that do know what's going on, which is, you know, um, I think it's a good thing about you. And, um, but, you know, I, as you know, and, well, you know, sometimes yeah. the players just suck too. So, I mean, that, they, they don't, true. they don't, so like, it's not always on the high school coach. Like sometimes the players just kind of suck. And so yeah, there's nowhere for them to go. Um, one of the things I try and do with our kids is doesn't matter where they go, like post high school. I try and always put them in a position where they can play for anybody. Uh, you know, playing for me is easy, and uh, sometimes it's not so easy. But for the most part, it's pretty easy to play for me, especially as I get older. You know who really boasts about playing for you? And I, th- I just talked to him the other day. Who's that? And you know, you know who I'm talking about. He's like, Joe, you and I played for the same coach, you know, so we, we teach the same baseball. Come on. Can't take a guess? Ron Battle. Ron Battle. Yeah. We got to put Ron ba- Battle on blast here. Yeah, I coached second. Ron in high school. I got to tell you a Ron Battle story. In high school or college? I'm college. I'm sorry. At the University of Redlands, I coached Ron for two years. But I got to tell you a story. Uh, Ron, Ron was a pretty good baseball player, and he wanted to <laughs> play professional baseball. So, you know, I threw my name out there, and I talked to some people, and um, I got close with a guy from the Angels, and he said, hey, we'll give him a chance, invite him to spring training, and if he sticks, you know, that'd be a good thing. And so I was with Ron. He signed a contract with the Angels. He went on to spring training. But 
I don't know what came over him. The dumbass took his girlfriend with him. <laughs> and he got released before spring training was over. <laughs> I can't wait to publish this one. This is no. going out today. <laughs> yeah, this one's going out in front of everybody else that we were supposed to edit. This is going out today. And, you know, I shared with them before <laughs> I even went to spring training. I said, leave your girl at home. You know, you're, it's a job now. This is not a fun thing. You're going to try and win a job. You know, it's baseball every day, all day. You know, you're on the field. It's 7 in the morning, and sometimes you don't get off the field until 4 o'clock. So it's a job. Leave her at home. And he took her anyway. But you know what? Like, we've all – I made these mistakes too. Of course you guys you know, we, You know, when you're young, you don't – you think you can juggle it all. You know? Can't. And this isn't to knock Ron Battle because I think yeah, – I think, it is. Oh, well, there you go, Ron. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to send this directly to him. Well, but One thing I tell my kids, and, and I, I'll tell even grown people this, you know, when you're really doing something and you're trying doing it right, you can only do two things at a time. And I talk to my high school kids. You know, you can go to school and play baseball. When you start adding a girlfriend in there, when you start adding partying in there and you get to three or four or five things, something's got to suffer. And it's usually your grades first, and then it's usually your baseball yeah. second because – you know, once boys 15, 16 years old get that first girlfriend, you know, she becomes more important than school, baseball, family. And, you know, I've watched a lot of kids, you know, burn yeah. behind it. Yeah. And I mean, I think I was pretty good in high school juggling, juggling it all. You, know? you did a pretty good job of it. But, you know, you got to give credit to Mike, too. Mike, well, Mike my, was. My girlfriend lived like an hour and a half away, though. Know, so that was, it was easy. Yeah, she is. Up the mountain. Mike was the master at juggling. Yeah. You know, I mean, he, he could do like 12 circus, things at like one time. Like a circus clown. You're talking about, <laughs> you know, all the tasks he was involved with. You yeah. know, he could multitask with the best of them. Yeah, and he's referring to Mike Spears, my dad, who's yeah. like, when, when he passed, yeah, I'm going to tell you. So when he passed away, uh, 2013, like, I'm, I'm talking to some buddies that knew him and, you know, guys I work with now with CBA, but. We're like, hey, well, did he leave, like, you know, anything on his computer, anything on, like, a hard drive somewhere where we can look in and figure out, like, you know, what his plans were and how to go about business and stuff like that. And, and no, he didn't. It was every, everything that he, that he left. Like, every, it was all in his head. Yeah. yeah, he didn't leave any, any type of, like, found, like, framework or formula for us to follow. It was just like, oh, he, you know. We were kind of a lot alike. You know, I like coaching. I've been coaching for close to 30 years. Been a you know, head baseball coach for uh, 15 years. And, you know, a lot of times, you know, during a baseball game, I, you know, I see coaches writing things down and a lot of coaches do lesson plans to, to start their practices. And, you know, I, I don't think I've ever written anything down. I just kind of really been blessed. Like I can remember shit, you know, what goes on in a baseball game. I can kind of put it in my head and store it back there. And after a game, you know, I can usually talk to the four or five kids about some of the stuff that we need to get better at. I just really been, you know, really fortunate to have that, that kind of baseball mind where just stuff just sticks with me. And um, one of the reasons I never did practice schedules is um, I played for a guy in college that didn't believe in practice schedules. And he used to tell us, um, if I put a schedule up and we're doing first and third defense for 10 minutes and we're not doing it very well, I can't stop that yeah. because we're on a schedule. We may have to do that for another 10 minutes, and I never forgot that. So when we're at practice, everything's off the top of my head. 
Yeah. And I'm kind of the same way in that, you know, like we, I, I, as you know, I started helping out at a high school locally here this year and we have practice schedules and I'm not the one that puts them together. You know, Tony puts them together and he does a good job at putting them together and he does a good job at running the practices and all that. But there are times we go over and we have to, we have to, we have to, you know, kind of adapt and move things out of the schedule and mm-hmm. save it for tomorrow. And sometimes it's safe for next week because if you have a game tomorrow, yeah. you know, then you're you know, kind of asked out for that week. But, um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's kind of my thing too. Like, you, 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 I mean, if you have an eye for the game, you kind of know what you need to work on and, yeah. you know, the details you need to, uh, to focus on during those drills and stuff. Um, but yeah, man, I mean, high school baseball seasons cut short, college baseball seasons cut short, professional season may or may not start up. Yeah, we don't know. We're yet. trying to figure that one out. But um, the reason we started, or I started, I guess, this podcast was because one, you know, and the the head coach from Long Beach State, like, just when when he was on here last two weeks ago, two weeks ago, he he just said, "Hey, man, we just missed the game. You know, we just want to be in." And and in, for me, like, it's really that. Like, I miss the game. I miss yeah. being involved. You know, I may. You know, whether it's being with the high school team or being with the CBA guys or at the facilities or whatever, but um, I miss just being being involved in some way. So, and I know that our players and our families are. I mean, I, I see it on social media that you know they I'm want baseball to come back. Open California. I mean, I was over at Victoria Gardens yesterday, and and there was like a protest in Victoria Gardens with with you know with people walking around with like their Donald Trump cutouts and. <laughs> And like cardboard, like life size cutouts of Donald Trump, and wanting to open California back up, and calling, you know, the governor gruesome Newsome, and they're in the middle of the street, and I see like two of our families, two CBA families, in the middle of the mix. I'm like, really? <laughs> like they're just like they're they're protesting with their signs and their yeah. horns, and I thought that was funny because, but I mean, I I know that everybody's kind of comical. It is, but, but I mean, they're everybody's itching to kind of get back out there and get back to normal, and and. uh I know for us just to get on the field and our families to get on the field, just like probably you missed the game. You- well, I, I know my family. We're tired of sitting in the house looking at each other. But we, we try and get out. We walked this morning, and, mm-hmm. you know, we're, we're going to go to a nursery today and pick up some rose bushes. We try and stay busy, but I, I miss my players. That Just in a nutshell, I miss my kids. Uh, it's the best part of my day. Mm-hmm. It's when I leave school and, you know, you teach all day and you show up and your kids are excited. And, um. That that's the part I miss. Yeah, um, just that teaching and that yeah, camaraderie just the, and yeah, the camaraderie for me, especially with the high school group, it's been you know it's pretty special. You know, just watching them continue to improve each day and, and buy in. You know, the you know the yeah. more they buy in, the better the better the better they play and perform. Um, you know, so and I remember that you know that camaraderie when I was in high school and just kind of. Looking back, you know, it seems like it was yesterday and going through that scrapbook that you, you know, you had there that my mom made for me back in the day. Um, but going through that scrapbook, like it seems like it just like the, you know, the whole experience for high school, whether it was at Canyon Springs or Temecula Valley for me um, or Arrowhead Christian for that matter. It just seemed like, dude, like time passes so quick, you know, it so sure quickly, does. you know, so, you know, the message for, you know, players and, and families is and, and I think that's kind of what been what's been like the the um consistent theme across all of these podcast episodes that we've had thus far is that this you know the journey in the game should be enjoyed and you know whether you know where you're going to college or not whether you know your career is going to extend or not you got to really enjoy the now and 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 be grateful for the now because tomorrow's not promised in the in life let alone the game so 
you know, if you're not making the most out of your time now, whether, you know, whether you're playing in, you know, in a high school game, a backyard game or, or, you know, a, a national level tournament, so to speak, or you're playing college ball or pro ball, you really don't know when your last game is. You know, for me, I didn't know when my, I didn't know my last game was my last game when I played it. You know, and it was 2012 was my last season. I, I had a really good game. I was really, um, we didn't make the playoffs that year. And um, shoot, found out that that Vicky was pregnant again. You know, we're going to have another baby. And then, found, you know, my dad passed away and I was set to go back to spring training. But it just, you know, just all the cards just didn't seem like it was going to, or it didn't seem like it was going to be in the cards that year. You know, and I thought, shoot, I'll just take a year off and I'll go back the next year. And that didn't work out either. Obviously, I'm still sitting at home. I'm not playing anymore, which is fine. You know, I, I you know I entered kind of like like retirement, so to speak, from from the playing days. But you know, I'm fortunate to be you know a part of baseball still. I'm fortunate to be able to go in the cage and take some swings and have some fun that way, and go out on the field and take some ground balls and have some fun that way. And um, just just to be able to be a part of the game, you know, it's 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 you know I'm super fortunate, you know. And you've been a part of the game for what like. 60, 70 years now. Well, I'm 60, Joe. I'm not 80. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, I, you know, I played high school baseball. I graduated in 77 and um, played junior college baseball and, um, at El Camino Junior College in Torrance. Went to Brigham Young, played at, on a really good Brigham Young team. You know, on that on that baseball team are, I was are on you, with. Are you Mormon? I am not. Oh. Um, but we had uh, <laughs> on that baseball team, we had Kenny Clayton, Wally Joyner, Peter Kendrick, Boy Eldridge, Rick Aguilera, Wally Joyner. We had a really good baseball team. Scott Nielsen, I think three or four of those guys played in the big leagues. But while I'm talking, I got to tell you um, Peter Kendrick's story. Uh, Peter Kendrick was about 5'7 and weighed about 150 pounds. And we were playing Hawaii in a doubleheader um, at our place to go to the regional and we we're playing for the WAC championship. And on that team, uh, Hawaii had Brian Duquette and Chuck Krim and um, Dave Roberts and all three of those kids played in the big leagues at some point. And so they could really pitch. And um, in the first game, Chuck Krim uh, pitched against us and we beat him eight to four. I took him deep twice. I'll remember that. And we beat him 8-4 in the first game. And Peter Kendrick threw a complete game, uh, seven-inning game. And the second game was about to start, and we were out of pitching. And Peter Kendrick said, hey, I can pitch. And he threw uh, another nine innings the same day. And we beat him 3-1 to one to win the WAC championship. So he threw 16 innings. I think he threw 263 pitches. That's it? In a doubleheader. Was he sore? Uh, I think he's a little sore. Still sore. Uh, he's probably still <laughs> sore. But uh, it, it was just, I've never seen anything like that. A guy throw both ends of a doubleheader mm-hmm. by himself. And yeah. uh, we, we beat Hawaii 8-4 and 3-1. to one. And then we went to uh, Texas and got our butts kicked by Texas and um, Stanford. Mm-hmm. But uh, we had a good ball club. And it was it was a really good time for me you know, to leave South Central and Watts, where I grew up and born and raised, and go to a place like Provo, Utah. It was a different world. A little different world. <laughs> Provo, Utah. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> well, I mean, you can take the boy out of the hood, right? 
Yeah, I didn't. I wasn't able to follow the rules so well. Can't can't take the hit out of the boy all the time, you know. And that's what I like about liked about playing for for Skip. What I liked playing about, or what I liked about playing for you, was that in Moreno Valley. I mean, we weren't exactly like like a proper. I wouldn't say we were like you know like the just an atmosphere. It wasn't like a you know like a proper atmosphere. Like people weren't. We didn't have manners. You know? No, we you did not. <laughs> we didn't have like, yeah. you know, we didn't have manners. You know? We we did have a couple like rules though. Be on time. We were mostly on time. Everybody dressed the same in the parking um, lot. Everybody's it didn't getting matter naked when you in the got on the lot. field. As long as everybody was dressed the same, um, and when it was baseball time, it was baseball time. No, yeah. shut everything else out. And um, you know, I think in the first five years before we got to Canyon Springs. In the first five years, I think the five years before me, they had six coaches in five years. And I think in those five years, they had won 16 games. And you guys came in that first year, and I think we went 21 and 10. And we went to the D1 semifinals. And then the next year, um, we went 20 and 11 and went back to the D1 semifinals. So you guys really did buy in to a system. And one thing I think I've always been different with, and, um, it's really been good for me. It's, you know, I don't like to, con- I'm not big in control. Mm-hmm. My thing is we practice really good. And then I just let you guys play. You know, if I'm coaching you during a game, we have some problems, yeah. you know? So, uh, and I've even gotten more like that. You know, I have very little control over how a baseball game goes. You know, I call every single pitch of every single game. That's just what I do. Um, that way I don't have to get on a catcher about why do you call a two Oh fastball? Um, so I, I call every pitch of every game. I coach third base, but pretty much I just let you guys play. I let kids play, just go play, go compete, compete your butt off. And you know, that's just kind of my motto. If you just compete your butt off, we're going to all be okay. So it's been pretty easy for me. I I don't like the control part of it because I don't want kids to be scared. Um, they are scared because when I have to get a kid, I get a kid. I really get them. Uh, but one thing I've learned as a coach is you can get a kid and you can really, really get a kid. But before that game's over, before that practice is over, you got to go soothe that thing over. You got to go pat him on the butt and tell him, you understand where I was talking about? Do you get it? Are, are you sure you understand where I was going with this? And once a kid can um, buy in and say, yeah, you're right. I get it. I know what you were talking about now. Then you don't ever have to talk about it again. Yeah. And that's, I think that's, that that rings so true, like in the way um, I think my dad coached. I think that that formula works for me, you know, and for, you know, our coaches in CB, I think we try to do that too, you know, where we have, you, you know, we try to identify, you know, when a kid's kind of down on himself because, you know, we, you know, we'll have those blue collar in your face coaches that are, you know, that are, you know, not intentionally spitting on them, but they're so, you know, so, so close to them that, you know, a little, you know, maybe a little spit gets on them, but, but, um, you know, and so that kid's broken down. So, you know, as a group of coaches, we just kind of like identify those situations and hope, you know, we, we, you know, when it's time to fill, fulfill a role where we can kind of lift somebody up, then we do that. But I mean, the the thing about baseball, especially, it's like this game's going to break you down on its own. That's right. You know, so for coaches that are relentless in the way they, you know, go, you know, quote, get a kid in the way they, you know, uh, maybe yell or, you know, maybe coach too hard at sometimes, right? If 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 you don't have that kid that responds to that in that way, you know, and, and you, you got to, 
you got to come back, circle back around and be able to lift them back up because uh, otherwise you break them down so much where one day they, they, they're, they're going to hate coming to the field, which I've, I've, I've been like that. You know, I, I was a part of, you know, teams and programs as a player where I hated going to the field, you know, and I never had that feeling, you know, before that, those, those, you know, and, and when it happened, it was weird. Like I didn't have, I didn't have any motivation to want to go play or get better or anything like that. And I think it stemmed from just how, um, the personality traits of coaches that were uh, that were involved that they just were re- relentless in the way they ran things and, and, that, and there's nothing wrong with it you know it's just we that group that team that I was with we just didn't respond to that you know we needed you know we needed uh, um, like a kick in, kick in the ass every now and then but we also needed you know confidence boosters and you know so that was something I thought you were really good at with us with me um, you know I, I loved you know high school baseball was a was a fun time but for me but and I love going to the field and I love practicing and I love hitting bombs off Stephen Quick and in uh batting practice and you know <laughs> that was fun but um and being around like really good guys that welcomed me in because I was a transfer in like Jake Taylor and that was Chase. a family yeah Chase Allard really just family. guys you know Chris Rice who I saw um Ryan not Selden. too long ago yeah just yeah. good players but just you know really good just really good teammates and good guys to be around. Um, Derek Kennedy and I know I'm missing you know half the team right there, but um, you guys did it right. Yeah, we had fun with you it. Know? You know, we had fun with it. We knew we were good, but like you said, like and and the same thing that happened at Rancho. But like you said with um, at Canyon Springs, like the year before, you know, Canyon didn't win a whole lot of games. You know, so going into that next year, it's like we knew we were good. We just didn't understand why we didn't win. Right. You know, so uh, you knew. You know, uh, you knew that it just took you know, a little change of direction and, you know, buying into a different, culture. just a slightly different program. Culture is a huge thing, you know, and, and I think culture is the biggest, you know, because, um, you know, culture, like it, it encompasses, you know, standards and encompasses belief system and encompasses, you know, work ethic. So, you know, all that stuff is, is what kind of drove us to be successful and want to win against really good high school teams. You yes. know, good, you know, Lakewood was really good that yeah, year. We beat them 12 to four. Yeah. We kicked place. their ass. Sorry, Lakewood. Yeah. You know, <laughs> but it's, but I think you guys prepared really well. Yeah. You guys knew, I just, I won't even call it coaching. It's, I think that's why you guys called me skip. You know, mm-hmm. I didn't do a lot of coaching. You guys have so much talent. I didn't need to coach you. My thing was, I, I was just, kind of like driving the bus going, Hey, we've got to compete our butts off where, and then every game we had a different philosophy. Hey, we're going to have to play some little ball today. Make sure you get a hit and run. Make sure you put the ball in play. You know, we get runners on third. We got to get those guys home. We can't waste outs today. And, you know, we would always have those conversations before the game. You guys understood what wasting outs meant. You know, a lot of kids don't get what that means. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like a kid comes up with a runner on second, no outs, and he pops up the short. That's a wasted out, you know? So, um, we always talk about at Harupa Hills, we talk about making quality outs, mm-hmm. you know, making sure that you make a good out. And, you know, sometimes a kid will line out the center and then he gets frustrated because he hit it right at the center fielder. And I just tell him, hey, you won. You just won that battle. There just happened to be a guy there, you know, because you're going to get that blooper off your handle here later and you're going to hit it about 30 feet and you're going to get a base hit out of it. So your, your goal is to go up and battle and win your at bat. And when he breaks your thumbs, he won the, won the at bat, but you're on first base with an infield single. So just try and, you know, keep it open and keep it real with kids. And, uh, this year I had a really good group of kids. Um, you know, I've, I've been really blessed at Harupa Hills to have some good, good kids come through our program. 
Um, you know, I feel bad for Henry and Marcos. You know, we, we were set five and two when our season stopped and Henry was three and oh and Marcos was two and one. We had two of the better arms around. You know, we, we were three time uh, SAL champion three years in a row. Uh, we were going to win it again this year. Uh, and, and it's not that we're going to win it because we're better than everybody. It's because we have a mindset that we're going to win it. Mm-hmm. You know, kids come to the park and they go, no one's going to beat us. You know, and one thing that I've always done and I'm, I'm really proud of, and you, you know this, playing for me, I've always played the toughest schedules I can play. I don't care. We, we go to Narco. We played Temecula last year. We played Narco last year. You know, when I got to um, Garupa Hills, I think we were D6. And we're D2 now. We, we've worked our butts off to climb that rung. Uh, I don't think we should be D2, but our kids, it doesn't phase them. They don't care. They, they're like, let's play all comers. No, you teach them how to compete, you know? They, they don't care. Yeah. And, you know, there's so many, and I was just kind of brainstorming right now as you were speaking, like there's so many training tools out there, and, and I don't want to say gimmicks, but I'm going to say gimmicks. Gimmicks, and, you know, you have – you know, at the professional level, especially you have analytics and you have scouting departments and you have, you know, pitching departments and, and all this stuff, right? You have all these tools. And especially I think in like our area in the Inland Empire, we have, you know, we have like, you know, a dozen training centers, you know, right within like a five mile radius of where I live in Rancho Cucamonga. And then you have, you know, outside of that, you have 20, like everybody's opening these training centers with instructors and, and, uh, you know, uh, you know, private coaches and pitching guys and hitting guys and catching guys, right? But the common denominator, it doesn't even matter how much you, how many of these resources you utilize. If you can't compete, right? If you're not a competitor, you bet. it doesn't even matter. You could take all the swings and lessons you want. Right. You're learning work ethic, yep. right? Which is great. You're, you're, you're going out of your way to go, you know, you know, deal with the best pitching guy in the world right here in the Atlanta Empire, right? Or you're dealing with, you know, you're, you have a hitting coach twice a week, right? Or you have a track coach as your, as your running coach. But if you don't know how to bear down in the box or bear down on the rubber, right? Compete your ass Compete on defense, you know, take the extra base, you know, things like that, that you can't teach that in a cage and you can't teach that in a bullpen. You gotta, you gotta get battle tested and you gotta be, you gotta find a way to overcome, you know? So what I like, and that's what you, you said, you, you know, you're not afraid to pay, play the toughest schedules. Nope. When, when you throw your your team for coaches, right, when you throw them, you know, to the wolves, so to speak, and let them fail a lot, right, parents let them fail a lot, right, they learn how to overcome, you know, these these obstacles, right, and learn, learn how to overcome adversity, and they learn how to eventually not fail so much, right, but you got to let them do it. And so when you're in the right, and that's part of culture, when you're in the right environment where you let kids fail and you let the team fail, right, you learn, right? Yeah. So, excuse me, a little coffee burp, but okay. But um, if if you don't do that, right, and then it's time to perform, it's time to compete, and you put, you know, and you're in you're in a league game that you know matters, yeah. right? At the high school level, it matters, right? And and that's your first, you know, that's your first experience in, in facing high end competition. But you went forty and zero in the fall, right? But the league game is what matters. And, and, you know, you don't know how to respond to, you know, maybe trailing by two runs in the sixth or the seventh, right? If, if it, it doesn't matter how mechanically sound you are, how fundamentally sound you are, how well you execute a bunt defense, right, as a group, if, if you don't learn how to just bear down and make it happen, right, and execute and get the job done, then it's, it's, 
you know, it's all for, it's all for nothing. So last year we, uh, our ball club last year, we were, uh, either tied or losing in the fifth inning nine times and we won all nine games. And that's what it's about. No. Your kids get to the fifth, sixth inning, and and someone on your baseball team is going to look at someone else and say, it's time to go. we got to get this done. And so one of the analogies I use with my kids about baseball, I say, hey, you know, one of these days you're going to be a father. And I'm used, I told you this in 2003. You're going to be a father. You're going to be a husband. You're going to be a friend, a son. You're going to be all of these things. What's going to happen when you're in a marriage and things get tough and you get short on money and you can't pay a bill? What's going to happen? Are you going to walk out or are you going to compete? Are you going to compete your ass off for your family or are you going to say, this is just way too hard? So I'm I'm hard on kids for a reason because the baseball part for a lot of kids is really short-lived. You know, a lot of kids don't play after high school. And for everybody in the grand scheme of things, you for better, everybody, you even believe it. like from just from, I mean, Kobe Bryant died at 40, right? Yes. He's, he's not even halfway through his life. Well, maybe halfway, but I mean, well, halfway through his life, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, he has at, at least another 40 years of, of creating an impact with his family and, right. and being around people he loves and, and, you know, competing out off the court, so to speak. Well, you said earlier you know, you don't know when you're going to play your last game. Mm-hmm. And we don't know we're going to take our last breath either. No. You know, we've all been through, we just went through a real tragedy, the two of us, with someone we love dearly, no. you know, that left us at 32 years old. And, you know, um, I know Jared's listening to this right now, and um, he, he, we were just all super close to him, and he, we loved him. But when he got in that boat, he didn't think that was it. Yeah. You know, he was thinking, hey, I'm, what am I going to do when I'm done fishing? Where am I going? You know, all those things go he, through our mind. He was a competitor, by the way. Yes, he was. Like he can. He was the epitome yeah. of, you know, getting after it on the yeah. field. And and um, uh, I'll tell you a real quick Jared story. We were playing at um, Santiago, one of the wildest baseball games I've ever coached in. I think we ended up winning 12 to 11. And um it went one zero one one two one three two four two four three five. So Jared hits a home run like late in the game to like tie it up seven seven. Then he comes up later and he hits a ball at Santiago that lands across the street in right field. And he's rounding the bases and he kind of pimped it a little bit. And he gets to third base and he looks right at me as he slaps my hand. And he goes, that was a fucking bomb, Skip. <laughs> uh, I used to love that about him because he had some juice with the bat. Yeah, he did. And uh, he um, he used to play for, I don't know if you remember Gary Ward. Um, he was at Oklahoma State in the yes. 80s. And I want to say the early 90s. When they won, a, I think they won a couple national championships. But that was with like Robin Ventura was mm-hmm. with that group. Gary Ward was the head coach there. Robin Ventura, Peening Cavilia, uh, maybe a, 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 my head coach at uh, Hawaii, Mike Trapasso was there, which most guys probably don't know who he is. But apparently, and Jared belonged. Apparently, yeah. yeah. But see, the thing is, so like Gary, or I'm sorry, yeah, Gary Ward was his head coach. So Gary, you know, obviously been around the game a long time as well. And then um, Gary was the assistant at New Mexico State, where Jared went to school. Uh, to play baseball, and then uh, uh, Rocky Ward, yeah, Rocky Ward. There's a bunch of wards out there. Rocky Ward was the head coach, but Gary was the hitting guy, right? Because Gary, you know, Gary was he's always been the hitting guy, you know. And so Gary had this term, and I'm sorry, I know this again, friend, you know, family friendly, but 
you know, put the earmuffs on the kids now. Uh, but he, he would always use this term, fuck the baseball. Cause he wanted you to be able to get your hips into yes. it and, and, you know, really create that, you know, that rotational acceleration. So I remember just like, being on the field with uh, Jared cause I got to play professionally with him for one year in 2011, which is, you know, not, not many people could say they grew up with people and, and then grew up with their friends, get to play with them when they're in pro ball. And uh, he used to, like, I remember him in the cage just saying, like, when he was, like, by himself or somebody's flipping him some some tosses, and I'd be, like, I wouldn't be, I would be within earshot, but I wouldn't be right next to him. I could hear it, like, if I was on the field and he was in the cage, and I could hear him just, like, kind of say, oh, I gotta fuck the baseball, I gotta fuck the baseball. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, my God, like, this guy's really living it. <laughs> like, so, but he, he, was, he was a competitor in the way he worked in the cage. He was a competitor, I mean, not just the cage, on the field as a baseball player. I mean, I knew him since he was eight years old, nine years old. You know, me and Matt and Jerry, we kind of grew up together, Cody uh, as well, but Cody was just a little bit younger than us, so... Um, but you know, Jerry, when, Jordan, when I met Jerry and Kim, Kim was pregnant with Matt. Geez. Yeah, that that's how far we Jerry, go back. Jerry, Jerry yeah. was busy there for a few years. Yeah, he just yeah. cranked him out one after just another. Boom, boom, boom. I know. <laughs> he said, let's get it over with. I know, <laughs> Kim, poor Kim, man. Yeah, so I've, I've, known, <laughs> I've known Jerry and Kim probably what, Matt, however, probably a year before. Well, right when Matt was born, thirty four, thirty five years. Yeah, but Jerry, I mean, Jared, like in. Growing up through, you know, club baseball and high school ball and, and Matt as well and Cody as well. But, I mean, obviously this is kind of putting the magnifying glass on what Jared was able to accomplish. Um, and, uh, and shoot, there was just here's, – here's a, here's a story about Jared, okay? When he was – when we played that one year of pro ball, there was a day, a promotional day by Evansville, the team we were with. And they had – it's their nine inning games, right? He played all one inning, every position, you know. So it was Jared Jordan day, and he played. He caught. He played first. He played second, short, third. He pitched. I think he closed the game, but he he played all nine positions that day. You know, I don't think anybody has ever done that. I don't. Maybe they have, but I have never heard of it. And until, he could play them all. And he too. could play them all. He yeah. was good at it. Yeah. You know, he knew he knew the game well. You know, he but he competed and he had confidence. But that was that's what it came down to. He just learned. He just knew how to. He he wasn't gonna lose, you know. He was, and so I think he took he took a lot of that and he applied it to you know just life. off the field, yeah, to yeah. life. I mean, as as you know, I always say that's cliche, but you know, it's it's real. Like he take he took it to life. He he competed, you know, in, in whatever he did. He wanted to be the best. I mean, there there's you know and to the point where like we were always arguing about something. You know, like brothers who would argue. We were always arguing because everybody always wanted to be right. You know, and Jared was always always right there. You Stubborn know, like, as hell. yeah, and that you know, I mean, that's that's a good thing too. But I mean, you know, it was. So I, I got to tell you a little story. Last uh, probably Friday last week. Yeah, I went to Bass Pro Shops at Victoria. I saw that on Facebook. Yeah, I was like, this so guy doesn't belong I, in a I Bass, Bass Pro, Pro Shop. Shops. And, you know, I. <laughs> Bought a fishing pole and bought a bunch of stuff. I'm, I'm, I'm going to start fishing, you know, as much as I can, hopefully often. And the guy that was helping me, uh, he was talking about fishing. He fishes a lot, and he brought up Paris Lake. And just this is just kind of magnifying on Jared a little bit. And I told him, oh, man, one of the biggest tragedies in my life, you know, a, a kid that was almost like a son to me, um, in a kayak accident there and lost his life. He goes, are you talking about Jared? Oh, wow. And I was like, you knew Jared? And he goes, well, I've never met him, but 
he was really big in the fishing community. Mm-hmm. Like when people talked about people that could flat out fish. Right. And then I have some pictures in my phone of Jared, like four or five pictures in my phone. I showed him these pictures of Jared and he just like, he almost teared up, you know, just seeing the pictures I was showing him. But it just goes to show you that he, he left his, he left his person on a lot of people, yeah. you know, and th- this guy had never met him, but he had heard of him and, uh, it was just really cool to see somebody that I didn't know and that Jared didn't know just recognize him and um, talk about him the way he did. Yeah. It was really cool. And that's, you know, and that's, um, it's weird because we, in one of the episodes we had recently with a, a, a coach out of Point University, which is in Georgia, um, he was the guy that played for John Altabelli and he was kind of discussing, you know, Alto's, um, you know, legacy that he's kind of left behind, you know, and it, the reach is so much further than, you know, personal experience with, you know, like, or firsthand personal experience with that, you know, with that person, right? you know, so the legacy extends, you know, the reach extends much further, you know, it's, it's not measurable by any means, but you're able to, you know, have instances like that. You know, when my dad, when my dad passed away, um, and the the funeral home we used was the same funeral home that actually that uh that that the Jordans used for Jared, um, but the the guy who's the guy that drives the what's that what's that what's that vehicle called the hearse the hearse yeah so the guy that drove the hearse like didn't even realize like didn't realize I let me take a step back he actually played for my dad like maybe fifteen years prior and didn't realize that that was who the um the uh the, the the service or the funeral was for when they went to pick up my dad you know because they picked him up from the from the field because we had the funeral at the right. at, at 66 or stadium and then and then they picked him up and he goes oh my gosh this is Mike Spears so even the I, I i had no idea who the driver was but he was he was shedding tears himself when you know he didn't i mean just and and obviously he had a first hand experience with my dad because he played for him but i still to this day deal with people from now, you know, from time to time that I had no idea that they knew my dad or that I had no idea, um, that they left an impact with him or they'll say like, I heard so many good things about your dad and people will tell stories about my dad to these people and they don't know my dad firsthand at all, but they will come back and say, these stories were like, you know, they're, 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 they're lessons that I was able to learn as a player or, or a coach and, and be able to, to, you know, apply them in my life or on the field in some way. So, you know, just, that legacy and how you walk and how you, you know, how you, you know, go about your everyday life, you know, it's going to be, um, it's going to be either, you know, I, I don't want to say judge, but examine in, 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 you know, a positive light or, or not, you know, so how, how you go about your business on the field is going to eventually, you know, translate into everyday life. Right. And then that's going to really dictate, you know, and define you and your character when you're gone. Right. Right. So, you know, I'm going to go back a little bit. Like when you're, when I started the Inland Empire Stars in the 90s, the only travel ball team around was ABD. Mm-hmm. And um, your dad and I didn't like each other very much because we're both good. Mm-hmm. And I hated losing to him. He hated losing to me. But one of the fascinating things that kind of happened was we would go to tournaments in Las Vegas, Arizona, Orange County. I can't tell you how many times the Stars and ABD were in a championship game. And um, I remember one night we were in Arizona, and our Stars um, 
beat ABD for the championship. I think it was our 15 or 16 and unders when we beat mm-hmm. ABD in the championship game. And your dad wouldn't even shake my hand. He just walked away. <laughs> what an asshole. <laughs> but, but he did call me later and he goes, hey, good job. He goes, I just, I was in a bad place. And yeah. I was like, but I was the same way, you know, when mm-hmm. he would beat me, I didn't want to talk to him. You know, and then we played against each other a little bit, you know, in like some adult league baseball. But we got really close over the years and because we we're both doing the same thing. And back in the day, we we felt like we were doing it right. It was all about development. It, it was about – it wasn't about trophies. It was about development. It was about watching kids from day to day to day to day get better. And, you know, we both took a lot of pride in that. You know, we'd see kids that he coached a year later and go, that's the same kid. And he'd see kids that I was coaching and go, wow, he's gotten better. And, you know, a lot of people don't realize um, games are only a product of practice. Mm -hmm. That's all they are. You know, you you practice your butts off and it's like anything else. You know, if if you're coaching during a game, you got problems. I, I don't, that's just my philosophy. If you're still coaching during a baseball game, you have problems. Now, what do I mean by that? If you're talking about how to hit and you got to do this during, you know, you do that in BP, you know, I'm a big believer in that. And then, so one of the things I'll reference like during a baseball game is I'll say, Hey, don't change anything from yesterday. You know, you had a good BP session yesterday. Don't change anything. Just keep that same swing, that same philosophy. You know, don't change anything instead of breaking the swing down during a game, because you know, we're both, played professional baseball, and one of the things I didn't like is for a hitting coach to talk to me about hitting during a game Mm -hmm. because, to me, it's just too much information during a game. You know, if you you want to talk to me tomorrow at early BP at 10 o'clock in the morning, let's talk, and we can look at some film at my bats. You can show me some things. But during a game, I've already got BP in the back of my mind. Let me carry that into a game. Now, there are times where I'd have a really bad BP session, and I'd go to him and say, hey, what's wrong? What's wrong with my hands? Are they too high? Are they too low? Little things like that. But for the most part, I think you coach kids. You coach your ass off on Mondays and you play on Tuesdays. You coach your ass off on Wednesdays and you play on Thursdays. And uh, the last thing I've kind of done that's really helped me and my kids, we are never on the field more than an hour and a half. Mm-hmm. If I can't get practice done in an hour and a half, because, you know, being a teacher for 30 years, you know, you lose kids. Mm-hmm. And I know the longer a practice drags on, because I used to be that guy who'd be on the field for three hours. You know that. Yeah. That, that. That was me at one point. Now, we start practice right around 2 o'clock, and we're usually done by 3.15, 3.25, right in there. But I already know on the top of my head what we're going to work on. Mm-hmm. I already know. There's four or five things, and I'm like, okay, we need to do this today. And then the last two years, I will say this. I've taken Matt Gavin, Louis Sosa, and Cesar Palos. They're my assistants, and I've just kind of turned them loose. And I'll say, hey, you take outfielders, you take infielders, you take catchers, and you guys go work with them. And then I just kind of walk around and just kind of manage. Um, I've kind of let go, which I was never done before it's in hard my to life. Do. It is do. hard to do, mm-hmm. but I've I've got some good assistants, and they 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 learn from me, but I also learn from them. But I've I've learned to just turn things over to them, and it's made my job a lot easier. Yeah, well, and you know it's a good point. Like I have I have a hard time sometimes because there's you know as a coach you just 
there's things you want to get done a specific way, right. you know, down to the, the smallest detail. And then, you know, you learn that, you know, overcoaching isn't good either, too. You know, you, you got to kind of, you know, relinquish control a little yes. bit and, and let, one, the players kind of figure things out on their own, too. And, you know, a lot of times they'll execute things the way you want them to. It just may not look or, or you know, what may not look exactly the way you want it to. And then uh, same thing with coaches. You know, coaches are probably not always going to reiterate things the way you exactly want them to, but they're they're – they're going to do it to the best of their ability, right. right? And that's what matters there is that they care about the culture and the standards. So they're going to put their two cents in and then figure it out on their own as well. Um, you know, and then obviously if they don't do their job, then you can fire them. But I mean, it's a, but it's a, uh, um, it is, it is a, it's a skill to be able to kind of back off and, and realize that, you know, you, you can't control every aspect of the game, every pitch, Every drill, every. But then you go back to Canyon Springs, and I did. I did everything. Yeah, you did, but 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 I mean, you did because you were really the only guy. You know, we had we had we had like a guy that got let go, right? Not necessarily his fault, but we had a guy let go. We had we had Jerry was there to help, but he you know he's he worked a lot, um, and so but you were really the only the only guy, so you had to. You know, now you have good help, so it's different. I mean, um, but uh, it's. Yeah, but then also, you know, I mean, pat yourself on the back too because you were able to eventually, you know, let that happen and let your coaches do a good job. With CBA, we have we have we have good guys that I'm able to, and you know, over the last three four years, I've been able to kind of back off a little bit and let them kind of run with it. And then we go over practice plans and we go over, you know, uh, players at practices, who shows up, who doesn't show up, who when they're there, they're present, who's not, who has a hard time responding to coaching, who doesn't. So it's a lot easier to to manage from that perspective. And that's what kind of what I want to focus on the, you know, from a coaching standpoint, most, I want to be able to see who's, who wants to be there and who's engaged and who hustles and who, you know, doesn't take a pitch off and all that stuff more so than the fundamental aspect, because that just goes back into guys wanting to compete, right. you know? So that's, that's more along the lines of where I, you know, I, I really, you know, try to pay attention to that and shift my, you know, shift my focus just a bit because I know our coaches are going to teach fundamentals. You know, I know they're going to do a good job there. You know, we have Andrew Takayoshi, who's just, he's one of those blue collar guys. He'll show up to every practice, everywhere across, you know, around the, you know, across the state, really. You know, we have Phil Van Horn, who's a former USC assistant, former Cal State Northridge assistant, just been involved in professional baseball and, and college ball for years. And so, you know, you just know these guys have those standards to begin with, right. and they're going to teach things the way you, you want them to be taught. Um, they're going to throw their own philosophies in and ideas in, so you give them the freedom to do that. Um, you know, it's... You know, and you have guys like, you know, that are new, that you're good baseball guys. Maybe they played in the big leagues or they played, you know, you know, 10 years of professional baseball and they have their own way of doing things, right? And they have their own agenda and want to do things their way. Well, not to say their way is the wrong way. But it's, it's just, not your way. It's not going to fit the culture. Exactly. Right? If you if you can get those guys that play, you know, professional baseball, like Justin Sellers. You know, buy in. Yeah, they, they buy into the way of – you know, the way you would like things to be ran culture wise, right? Then they, then they fit, you know, then they're able to, you know, to apply and re, um, reinforce what you would like to teach, you know, foundationally, you know, uh, across the program. And then, you know, a guy like Justin Sellers, you know, played four or five years in the big leagues with the Dodgers and the Indians. And, um, he's, by the way, he's five foot seven, 150 pounds, maybe, you know, soaking wet. And talk about competitor. Like that guy knows what it takes right. to 
and when I say competitor, I was at a Seven Eleven with him one time in the middle of the night, and we were going to go fishing, and he was competing to be at the front of the line at the Seven Eleven with three people in line, and almost got in a fist fight with a freaking biker because he want he was he was getting to the front, you know, because they were all getting there at the same time. He's no, I'm at the front. <laughs> so talk about competitor, you know. Again, five foot seven, hundred and fifty pounds, very smart and, and biker compete. <laughs> biker freaking but the thing is like the biker guy backed down you know what i mean i was like fucking go ahead you know so i mean but that's that's how you live right and now obviously you know you know that 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 says something about who he is as a as a as a competitor but um you know you you just when you get a guy like that that you know is able to take that competitiveness and get on the field and and also teach kids and and within the culture that you want to um, that you want to provide. That's like the perfect storm, yeah. you know, um, with big league background and. That's and, how I played. Yeah. yeah, I was I was pretty nasty. Yeah, I just kind of used to talk my, talk to myself through a through a baseball game. Yeah, like you could throw ninety, and I would just kind of go, I don't care who you're gonna yeah. strike out tonight, but I ain't gonna be one of them. Yeah, and I used to be. I used, you know, you played there obviously in that era too when we were able to like truck catchers and take yeah. out the infielders on double plays like i used to love like that was, that was my favorite part to do. when you get the pro ball that's my that was my favorite part like knowing like you can I'm, go get like em. so i would so i would have a good secondary at first base just, just because <laughs> if there's a ground ball hit to the second baseman i am wiping this up. shortstop out and the thing is i would take my secondary and start running on a ground ball to the second baseman getting ready to take the shortstop out and i would tell the shortstop like, you better move out of the way like i'm coming to get you <laughs> and like a lot of times just me saying that they would like they would throw the ball into the stands or just because they're like anticipating you know and i would be nowhere near them by the time they got rid of the baseball sometimes but just that you know that competitive it was it was fun for me or but, i would hit you yeah yeah, I'd make you slide halfway there. Yeah, whatever. I mean, whatever you yeah. got to do, but or like tagging on a, on a fly ball, you, you know, know, from you third base, and you know you can over. run the catcher over. And I remember one one time, I don't remember what year, but like the first game of the season, and I took the catcher out the first time, right? And then I I was in the same situation, like in the fifth or sixth inning, and I remember I tried to take the catcher out again, and he stuffed me into the ground, and he like shoved his glove into my face, and I'm just like a. You know, I was like a like piece of uh, it's called roadkill on the road. Like, and I was like, I was hurting, man. So yeah, I really, I really miss that that part of baseball. Yeah, that, I I miss that, and then to take it to the major league level where you have to slide straight into a base yeah. and you can't run over a catcher. And, yeah, there's a lot of money involved there, though. So I understand like the the injury aspect and and uh, but I mean, yeah, it does take it takes the fun out of it so takes. You hit a guy in the ribs, you get a warning. Back in the day, man, you get hit, hit twice in a game. Guys. In travel ball, you start grilling guys. <laughs> I remember Zach Zinicola start like would always drill guys when he got pit, or my dad would say, "Okay, let's put Zach on, let's go, let's let's drill this guy." Like if you're 14 years old, you're old enough to get drilled. I've been hit twice in the same game ten times. And yeah. You think an umpire said anything? Yeah. Go to first place. I remember. I remember Lucas Duda. Uh, shoot, when he was well, he hit you in the head. Yeah, he hit me in the back. Of I the was head, there, and I ran the wrong base. <laughs> or I got up and I ran to the wrong base, and then you're like, like, "No, you got to go to first base." He hit you with like a 92 mile an hour fastball <laughs> underneath the helmet, behind yeah. the ear, right there, man. And then I remember we I were went, at um, we were at Arlington. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know where we were, but I remember we I remember like seeing literally seeing stars and like yeah. the little birds flying around, like in Looney Tunes, like the little birds. I'm like, dude, I'm on the ground right now. I, I think I think I'm on the ground, you know. So, but um, no, that was that was that was a lot of fun back then. I think you know, obviously the game's always going to evolve and change, and you know, we're we're going to be lucky if we get to even watch baseball this year, but. Um, just got to go with it, you know. I mean, it's, it's it's what it is. Yeah, 
is what it is. And it's not as fun, but still. Yeah. It'll be back. Maybe. It'll be back. Uh, what, like the old school way of playing? No, I mean the game. Yeah, the game will be, yeah, the game's going to come be, back. But the old yeah. school way of playing, like the Pink Rose stuff. It's and, over. Uh, I know. Buster and they Posey. were out at dinner the night before, and he but, almost killed that guy. Yeah, Buster Posey ruined yeah. it. And yeah, he should have. He ruined it for us. But, um, all right. Well, I don't want to keep you too long. I know you got to get back to teaching because that's what you do. Yep. And, um, you know, it's, uh, it's, you know, hope we can do this again. And it was a Appreciate pleasure. Appreciate you having me, Joe. Yeah. And we'll talk, we'll talk again. And, and this was kind of a fun one for guys to kind of listen in, but take some good info home and, um, you know, come, come back. And, and this whole podcast in the room is going to be all set up differently. So it's a little bit more comfortably. And we'll have the Nespresso machine right here. Oh, so boy. we don't have to, we can actually make it while we're doing the podcast. So, um, but thanks again. Thanks for making the trip over here. I know it's, uh, you know, thank you. I yeah, appreciate it. I know yeah. you're, I know you're in that high risk group of, uh, people that, that, you know, if you're exposed to the virus, you know, some serious shit can happen. There you but. go. <laughs> but just but know I love putting you. your life on the line over yeah. here. No, but, uh, no, thanks again. You're the best. And, um, you know, thanks for everybody for listening in and, and, you know, if you can, not if you can, please just do it anyways, hit the subscribe button on Spotify or iTunes, um, Apple Podcasts, that is. And, and and if you share this with a friend and share it on social media and, and all that stuff, that's all cool too. But um, just keep listening in, and we'll have some good info on some good podcasts that are coming out, new episodes coming out here soon, and we will talk to you guys soon. All right? Have a good day. No need to worry, my accountant handles that. And my whole crew is lounging. Celebrating every day, no more public housing. Thinking back on my one-room shack. Now my mom pimps the act with me on the back. And she loves to show me off, of course. Smiles every time my face is up in the sauce. We used to fuck when the landlord dissed us. No heat, wonder why Christmas missed us. Birthdays was the worst days. Now we sip champagne when we thirsty. Uh. Damn right, I like the life I live. Cause I went from negative to positive, and it's all. And if you don't know, now you know, you know, you know. And if you don't know, now you know, you know.